morning, everybody. My name is Dan, the young adults pastor here. Uh, and I don't know about you, but I feel like I really need a Jammin' Jesus playlist now. That just sounded awesome. Uh, thanks to Josh and Aline for sharing with us on this theme of joy. Uh, well, I wanna let you in on a new tradition that we have as the Westman family. It's kind of our evening routine for catching up on the day. Maybe some of you do something similar. Probably nobody does the exact same thing. Uh, I was telling the young adults about this the other week, but I wanna share it with you all as well. So I have a feeling it's just gonna kind of spread like wildfire. Uh, it's called High Low Buffalo Gruffalo. Okay, so here's how High Low Buffalo Gruffalo works. Uh, Everybody goes around and you get to share a high and a low, right? Something that made you happy, brought you joy, something that was difficult or made you sad. Uh, and then we picked up this one some, from some friends who do high-low buffalo. And a buffalo is just something silly, something funny that happened during the day. You know, you get to share a little bit. Uh, and, and we had the great idea, really I had the great idea, of, of adding in a gruffalo. Now, what is a gruffalo? you might ask. Well, uh, this is a Gruffalo. Gruffalo is a fictional character from this children's story called the Gruffalo. It's got yellow eyes and terrible teeth and a black tongue and terrible claws and a poisonous wart on the tip of his nose. Really a, a horrible looking creature. Turns out he has a very soft heart. Uh, but the thing with the Gruffalo, as maybe you could pick up on, is it doesn't exist in the real world but it makes for a really good story. And so uh, we go around the table and you just get to make up a funny story that really has nothing to do with anything else. Uh, so for example, it could go like this. This is one that I actually told my kids the other night. Uh, I said, guys, you will never believe what happened today. I was on my way home from work and I needed to stop at Target for something. So I went into Target and I, I happened to be walking by the toy aisle and as I was walking by, there was a little boy standing there with a notepad. I kind of looked around and, uh, you know, I didn't see any family around, any parents or anything. And so uh, I came up to him and I said, um, are, are you okay? He said, oh yeah, I'm, I'm just fine. I said, well, are, are your parents around? He said, no, no, they're not around. In fact, I, I haven't actually seen them for a couple of days. I said, oh No said, no, 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 it's okay. You see, I know I look young, but I'm not really that young. I'm actually quite old, 200 years old. Uh, and I'm not really just a normal boy. You see, I'm an elf from the North Pole. And I haven't seen my parents for a few days because I've been sent out by Santa on a very important mission to visit as many targets around the world as I can to figure out what uh, all the kids are into so that we can make a few final adjustments before Santa delivers all the presents on Christmas Eve. Then he looks at me, says, Merry Christmas, and he walks off. That is a Gruffalo. <laughs> Isn't it a little chuckle? My kids think I'm much funnier, okay? They really <laughs> were into it, okay? Uh, so this is what we do uh, every evening. And, and the thing is, with a, a story like that, right, you can tell, okay, the, this is made up, right? This, even a five-year-old can tell that didn't really happen. Uh, but sometimes uh, it's hard to tell, right? Sometimes maybe it's something that could have happened or maybe sometimes the high or the low or the buffalo, something that supposedly did happen is so outlandish that you're like, maybe that didn't really happen. Maybe that's a gruffalo. Uh, so if, if we were to try to tell the whole story of scripture, 
we could use this framework of high-low buffalo gruffalo, right? The, the story starts off and it starts with a high, it moves really quickly to a low, it's gonna come back up to another high, but along the way, there's all kinds of like really ridiculous things that happen, right? The, the, these crazy stories that we read about and we're like, is that really real? Like, could, could that really happen? Or is that, is that just a gruffalo? And sometimes uh, we might find that as we read scripture. Well, this morning, we're gonna look at five verses in the Gospel of John, part of the prologue that we've been working through as in our Advent series. And what we're gonna see in these five verses is almost like a microcosm of the whole story of scripture. We're gonna start with the high, we're gonna move down to a low, a tragic low. We're gonna come back up to a high, but it, it, it's a high that's so good if we really understand it that, that we might even wonder, is this a gruffalo, right? Is this, is this real? Could this be, or is this just fiction? Just something that's made up. Uh, we've already spent two weeks looking at the first eight verses of the Gospel of John. And uh, in that time, we have been introduced to the two main characters of the prologue, Jesus and John the Baptist. John the Baptist, we see, is a pointer. His job is to point to Jesus, which is what he does. Jesus is the main event, the one who's being pointed to. He's the one who the story is all about. And uh, as Jesus is talked about, as John talks about Jesus, he hasn't actually identified him as Jesus yet. He's referred to him as the word. And, and he uses this cosmic language to talk about how the word is eternal. He was there in the beginning. He was an agent in creation. Everything that exists has come to exist through him. And this word is the true light that shines into the darkness. So that's where we've been. Let's look now at where John takes it from here, starting in verse nine of John chapter one. It says, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Now this, this verse is short, it comes at us pretty quick, but what we see here, this is, this is the high. This is the starting point where we see that the creator, the one who was from the beginning, the one through whom everything that exists came to exist, the creator is stepping down into creation. He's coming into the world as the true light, which will give light to everyone. Uh, and, and this is the good news, that, that the creator would come down into the world that he created in order to save that world because he loves the world. I, I have a friend who is uh, in the process of creating a board game. Uh, and it's still kind of in the, in the testing phase. So right now, the, you know, the, the rules are still changing a little bit and the format's changing a little bit. And he's having people test play the game. Uh, and so he was over a couple weeks ago and Lindsay and I test played this game with him. And it was great because anytime there was a question about the rules or the strategy or how the game was supposed to work or what exactly was going on, he could just explain it because he created the game, right? He knew all the rules, he knew all the strategy, he, he, he knew what was gonna work and what wasn't, he knew how it was meant to be played because we had the creator of the game with us. Jesus coming into the world as the one who created the world is good news because he knows 
how this game of life, so to speak, is meant to be played. Right? He, he, he knows the strategies. He knows the rules. He knows what's likely to work well. He knows where people tend to get stuck, where they get off track, where they try things that don't work out. And, and, and as Jesus came to earth as a man, he, he taught about this. He tried to teach people about what the life well lived looked like. But people didn't always listen. People didn't always get it. Thankfully, though, that, that's not all that Jesus did for us. Right? Jesus didn't just teach us how to play the game. He actually played the game for us. Right? Jesus actually lived the life that we couldn't live. In his death, he paid the price that we couldn't pay. In, in his death, he won a battle against evil that we could not win so that we could receive grace that we do not deserve. All because the creator decided to step into the creation to bring light to everyone. He, he's described as, as the true light. And as the true light, he, he brings light, he enlightens, he casts light on everyone. This past weekend, uh, I had the task of picking out a new light fixture to go in our bathroom over the vanity because the old one is not working. We need a new one. Uh, and so we picked out a new one. Really, Lindsay picked out a new one with some consultation from me. Um, and, and we decided this, this is a light fixture we're going to put in. But then we ha I had a really important decision to make, which is what temperature light bulb do you put in the light fixture? See, some of you are like, yeah, this is, well, what do you do? The weird thing about our house when we moved in is that the bathroom actually had two different temperature lights in it. There was the light over the shower, which was the warm, soft white light. And then there was the light above the sink, which was the, the bright, cool daylight. And at first I was like, this is really stupid. <laughs> like, why, why, why did they do this? But over time I realized, oh, you know, this is kind of nice. Like I get to start my day or end my day when I'm taking a shower. It's just the, the soft, warm light. You kind of get to ease into the day. You get to wind down before bed. But then when I'm standing in front of the mirror, I get the bright daylight, right? And I, I, I get to see the version of me that everybody else is going to see throughout the day. Right? I get to see myself as I truly am. And so as Jesus comes as the true light, he helps us to see ourselves as we really are. That we get to see the good, the bad, and the ugly as Jesus shines his light on everyone. And as Jesus exposes all of this, as he shines his light on everyone, he's going to reveal in that two different categories of people, two different kinds of people in the world. And these categories of people are determined by the way that we respond to Jesus, the way that we respond to the light, to the creator who has stepped into creation. And so as we keep reading, we see that John is going to describe these two categories of people. We see the first in verses 10 and 11. It says, he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. If we started with a high, the creator is going to enter creation to save creation. Here we meet the low, that the creatures 
in that creation did not receive their creator. There's probably a dozen movies that come to mind for you right now, right? Where, where the, the creature rebels against the creator, but the creature is probably some kind of AI. <laughs> I, I watched a movie like this this past weekend, the new Mission Impossible movie. An AI is created. It becomes so powerful. It becomes sentient. It decides to go rogue and it's threatening to take over the world. And thank God that Tom Cruise is there to save the day because otherwise the world definitely would have come to an end. But this this is a, a familiar kind of story, right? Lots of movies play with this idea where where the creation is rebelling against the creator. And this should bring us all the way back to the first chapters of Genesis, where where God creates a perfect world and he puts people in this world, his creatures. And these creatures decide to rebel against him. It should remind us of our own story, of, of being God's creatures and yet having this thing inside of us that, that is in rebellion against our creator. The same thing happens as Jesus comes to earth as a man, as he steps into creation, that his creatures rebel against him. They don't accept him. They don't receive him, as John says. It's worse though, John says. It's not just, it's not just that creation in general or humanity in general rejected Jesus. He says he came to his own people and his own people rejected him. That is, as a Jewish Messiah, he came into a Jewish context to, to this people who, whom God had called, who, these people whom God had entered into a covenant relationship with. Jesus came to those people and even those people rejected him. We might think about a husband who comes home on his anniversary with flowers and a nice gift for his wife and she walks right past him as he walks in on her way out to meet another lover. That, that, that's the image here. That's the idea. That, that's the weight that we're supposed to feel. The creator steps into his creation. God becomes man to come to the people whom he has loved, whom he has called, and he's met with rejection. That's a low, right? It doesn't get any lower And yet it's through that very action, that very rejection of Jesus that he ends up on the cross. And it's on the cross where the history of the world is changed forever. That as the author of life gives up his life for us, we can receive life. That on the cross, Jesus pays that price that we couldn't pay. He wins that battle that we couldn't win. It's this low point in history that turns into the high point in history. And so this is where John wants to go next because there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity that we have based on how we respond to Jesus as well. An opportunity that everybody has. And so John talks about this in uh, verses 12 and 13. He says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So if we had 
the high at the beginning, we move down to this tragic low. Here we come up again to a high that's even better than where we started, that we can become children of God. You know, there's a lot of different ways that scripture talks about what happens in salvation. Like how is it exactly that Jesus is saving us? There's a lot of different kind of images and metaphors that are used. One is of justification, which is like a, a legal term where we are now declared innocent by the blood of Jesus instead of being guilty. There's the idea of reconciliation, which is a, a relational term where we go from being enemies of God to being friends of God. There's more of a warlike or battle imagery where Jesus defeats sin and evil in this cosmic spiritual battle on the cross. There's, there's an image of being freed from bondage to slavery to sin. But, but here, the image that John is focusing on is a familial one, that of being adopted into God's family as his children. That, that if we believe in Jesus, if we receive Jesus, which John is going to, to, to define as believing in Jesus. If we believe in Jesus, then we have the, the, the right, he says, to become children of God. You know, in the ancient world, children had no rights in the home or in the family. The, the father had, had all of the rights. And those rights extended even to the point that a father could reject a child that had been born into his family. A father could literally take the newborn baby, walk them to the garbage dump of the town and leave them there to die. Legally, he had that right. In that context, John says, if you believe in Jesus, you have the right to become children of God. You have the right to be adopted into God's family as his children. That, that's amazing. Right? That's fantastic. That's the kind of news that is supposed to hit us like, could that even be true? Right? Is, is that a Gruffalo? Right? You're just making that up, right? How could that be? But if we believe in Jesus, if we have believed in Jesus, we have been given the right to become a child of God. This is amazing news. Earlier this week, I came across a, a Facebook post by the, the friend of a friend who was celebrating 21 years since she had been adopted into her family. And uh, as she was celebrating this, she, was, she wrote in this post a little bit of her story. And, and this is what she says. She says, part of my story was that I was left on the front door of an orphanage in China, only five days old, wrapped in a towel with a bundle of clothes. I spent my first 15 months in that, or, in that orphanage. I weighed only 15 pounds at 15 months old when my parents came to bring me home. She goes on, turns out I was born on my paternal grandmother's birthday. Her name was Anna, so my parents wanting to honor her took part of my Chinese name, Lei Mei Jai, and married it with my grandmother's name, so I became Gianna. And remember and remembering God's goodness, they added grace. Gianna Grace, that's her name. Gianna Grace, chosen by God and my parents. I know that there are several of you here who have been adopted by earthly parents. There are several of you here who have adopted 
earthly children into your family. And I know that there are highs and lows along that journey, but God has taken this beautiful thing of adoption, of a child going from an orphan to becoming a full-blown child in a family. He takes that and says, this, this is what I want to do for you. This, this is how I feel towards you. I, I have chosen you. I want to include you in my family with all the rights of a child. That's, that is amazing. And that is reason for joy, for, for, for deep, deep joy. I know this time of year, uh, there's a lot of us for, for whom joy might come natural, right? We're, we're spending uh, extra time with those that we love. We're celebrating together. We're feasting together. We're exchanging gifts. And there's just a spirit of joy that comes with the holiday season. And yet there's also some of us for whom that joy feels like a distant memory, right? Because we are reminded of everything that we don't have that it seems like everybody else has. Maybe we're thinking of a, a parent who passed away perhaps in this last year, or a child that we've become estranged with and haven't spoken with for years. Maybe it's a friendship that has become so broken that it just feels like it's beyond hope or a marriage that's on the rocks. And, and, and we hear this idea of joy and we're like, yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? And yet here in John, we have this message that despite whatever else might be happening in life, we have reason for a deep and abiding joy because we have been welcomed into the family of God. And so maybe you're here this morning and, and you're feeling uh, alone. You're feeling isolated. Like, like you look around and you feel like you don't have anybody, but everybody else does whether that's you or, or whether you are experiencing joy uh, in the season of life that you are in, we have this promise, this good news, that if we believe in Jesus, if we have believed in Jesus, we have become children of God, adopted into the very family of God. It's an amazing gift. John, John uses another, he kind of introduces another metaphor that's, that's related but different than adoption as well. So I want to read for us again verses 12 and 13 and pull this out a little bit. He says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's kind of the adoption part. He, Paul fleshes that out more in some of his writings in uh, Romans 8 and Galatians 4. Um, but here, this is what John says, but now he's gonna shift to a little bit different metaphor, that of birth, not just adoption, but birth. He says in verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. There's two ways to come into a family. You can be adopted into a family or you can be born into a family. And they're similar, but they're different. Right? On the one hand, God is, is choosing us. He's calling us. He, he's drawing us into his family as his adoptive children. But there's another sense in which we are born into the family of God. That, that there's a spiritual birth that happens when we put our faith in Jesus. And John picks up on this a couple chapters later. John chapter three, Jesus is having this conversation with a man named Nicodemus. 
Nicodemus is a Pharisee and he's heard a lot of things about Jesus, how he's done these signs. Maybe he's even seen some of them. And he's trying to figure out kind of what is this whole, whole thing about? Like, who really is this Jesus? Like, what does it mean to, to, to follow after him? And so he comes to Jesus with some of these questions and, and Jesus responds to these questions with this kind of strange saying where he, he tells Nicodemus that he needs to be born again. He needs to be born again. And Nicodemus responds by saying, how can a man be born again? Like, how can a man enter into his mother's womb a second time? And in response to that, Jesus says this in John 3, verses 5 and 6. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. What Jesus is saying here is that in our lives, something has to change fundamentally about us in order for us to be in the kingdom of God. In order for us to be saved, to enter the kingdom of God, something fundamental has to change. That which is born of flesh, which we all are, is flesh. He says, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And so there's an opportunity as we place our faith in Jesus to be born of the spirit, to receive this this new kind of life, this spiritual life, this connection to God that we did not have before. That something has to change fundamentally about us. It's not just enough to be a good person. It's not just enough to think that Jesus was a good person. It's not just enough to believe in God and it's not just enough to believe in Jesus. Now, let me stop there because I know some of you are like, this guy's a heretic. Like, let me explain what I mean there, okay? If all that happened is we believed in Jesus, end of story, that wouldn't be enough. Yes, that's all that we do. That's our part. We place our faith in Jesus, but something else has to happen and that's what God does. When we place our faith in Jesus, he gives us a new life, a spiritual life. We are born again. There's a part of us that that comes alive as the spirit of God comes to live inside of us. It's an opportunity for for a new life, a new kind of connection with God. And so we believe in Jesus, yes. And then God pours out his grace as he adopts us into his family, and his, he creates this new life inside of us. So we're included in God's family, both by adoption and by birth. This is part of what it is to be saved. And this is the good news of the gospel, that we have the opportunity to be included in God's family, to be spiritually born again, to receive life from God as we are reconnected to him. I mean, this is, this is so good that it, it's meant to make us think like, how could that be true? How could that be true? But it is, this is the truth. And that truth is meant to lead us to a place of deep and abiding joy. The, the, the kind of joy that is not just dependent on our life circumstances. It's not the kind of joy that comes and, f- and comes and goes 
depending on uh, what's happening in other spheres of life. There's this opportunity for those of us who know Jesus to have this deep and abiding joy just at the knowledge that we have been included in God's family as his children. You know, I think it's, it's easy for us uh, to sometimes question whether or not God really accepts us, right? I mean, as that bright daylight of Jesus shines on us and we, we see ourselves as we really are, the good, the bad, and the ugly, that, that maybe we find ourselves thinking, my life's a mess, right? I'm, I'm not worth loving. I'm not worth saving. And, and maybe we've, we question whether or not God really, truly accepts us. The message this morning is that we have been included in God's family as his children, that we have been fully accepted. There's nothing else that we could do to be any more acceptable to God than we already are. And at that knowledge, we can have a deep and abiding joy. We're going to sing a carol together in just a couple moments, a Joyful, Joyful. It's a song of joy around the coming of Jesus, but it's going to play a bit with this image of light, with Jesus as the true light and, and even with God as our Father. And so I want to read for us uh, the first couple words, or the, the first verse, rather, of, of this song, and so we can see this connection and be aware as we sing. They're words that are familiar to many of us, I would imagine. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness, drive the dark of doubt away. Giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light of day. God, would you fill us with your light? Would you help us to see ourselves as we are, as those who have been included in the family of God? And could that be a source of deep and abiding joy in our lives? I wanna invite you to stand as we get ready to sing together. Uh, and uh, as we stand, let's pray. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that we have the right, the privilege, the opportunity to be called your children. What a gift that is. Lord, I know, I know our relationship with our earthly families can be complicated at times. What a joy it is to know that we have a father in heaven who loves us, who accepts us, and who calls us his children. And so Lord, I pray that this Christmas season, that we could find a deep joy in knowing that you are our father, that we are your children, that we belong to you. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for all that you have done for us.